Welcome everybody to the Shop Notes podcast. Today is episode number 25. I'm your host, Phil Huber, and today I'm joined by the usual cast of suspects, Logan Whitmer and John Doyle. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about jigs, uh, how you build them, your approach to them, when you use them, and how. So it's a wide-ranging discussion, and it's time to get started. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all of your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all in Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. All right, so this is a question that comes up uh, frequently enough because I've done seminars and some classes, and I think we even did an online seminar of favorite jigs. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, over the years, Woodsmith has shown a good bushel basket full of jigs in all yeah. flavors and sizes. Mm-hmm. So yes. there's, and that's well, not even we, counting tips. And we had a basically an entire magazine, Shop Notes magazine, dedicated to jigs and shop projects so right. don't count that out so. <laughs> so i'm bouncing it back to you and apparently it was blue shirt day today so i forgot yeah. that uh red shirt day last week blue shirt day this week still obviously yeah. Yeah. all right it's not political or anything it's just <laughs> it's just a, it's just a color here <laughs> all right so where do we want to start with jigs and talking about it I'll, I'm gonna grab a couple of them because I have a few of them sitting here. Hold on. Okay, we'll wait. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you're waiting. Oh. Okay, so here, yeah, this was something. Obviously, I'm back in my shop, right? I haven't been in my shop for a couple of weeks for the podcast because it's been filthy <laughs> and it's been an embarrassment to sit in here uh, and not good for my own mental well-being. So. Obviously, I cleaned, and as I was cleaning, uh, wrapping up the destruction from this poker table, I came up with all of the uh, the jigs that I used for this poker table. Well, most of them. I'm going to say a couple under my bench still. But I'm one of those guys that I always hold on to jigs and templates because I think I'm going to build it again. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know... Why? I, because I never do. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, it seems if, like you uh, you built all those jigs, and it's like, well, if I'm going to do that, it's like I'm all set up to to make more of them. So why not keep them? And, and you know, but then yeah, you're right. It's like you get like a week away from that in the project, and you totally forget about it, and you never build it again. And but yeah. maybe someday, someday. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, it seems no, like. Oh, oh, go ahead, Phil. Well, I was going to say, like, I've done that with a, uh, patterns or templates, especially, and I have a bunch of them hanging over, all over my shop, you know, for cutting boards, because I've done a bunch of cutting boards for gifts, and it's like, it's a sweet cutting board plan, and if I ever want to do it again, it makes it so much easier to do, and blah, 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 and now it just is basically wall art. Yeah, which is which is fine. You know, we have a bunch of those hang around on the set somewhere yeah. of projects in the past, and they're they're cool. They're I mean, there's kind of a story tied to them and stuff. And it's like 
you know, like this. This is just the leg template for the base on that poker table. I use this for laying out the the shapes with the grain and everything, and then flush trimming to it. So, I mean, I could remake it super easily, but I have it, so why not keep it, right? Uh, then I get these other random ones, and this kind of goes into um, what you're talking about. And how do you build them? Generally, my jigs are a oh crap, I need a jig to do that. What do I have within arm's reach to slap it together fast, right? Uh, so obviously, what I do is I grab some hunks of wenge <laughs> and a <laughs> chunk of. <laughs> I, it just happened to be what I had in the shop, right? I make I mean, all my jigs out of stacks of $100 bills. <laughs> 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 well, it's like I grabbed these. Uh, we can blame Chris Fitch for this one because he was working on some tool prototypes and he had all these Wenge blanks. He cut to like, what, four by seven. And they were all in the garbage in the shop. So I grabbed them all. So I'm like, I could do something with that. Make jigs, for example. <laughs> so right. anyways, this is what I had. So it's like, you know, this was just a slap together impromptu dowling jig is what this sure. was. So I use this to, to run some um, steel pins in the miter joints on that poker tabletop. Right. So it's like, was it hard to put together? Absolutely not. But if I'm going to build one and hold on to that template, might as well hold on to that one too, right? Sure. And then, yeah. well, it's like my last one is like for routing uh, the dishes in the top for the player set. And it's like, okay, I mean, not hard to put together. But if I'm going to hold on to those two, might as well hold on to that one too, <laughs> right? right? So it's like, mm -hmm. where, where do you draw the line? You know, it's like I might use them at some point. And I guess this is maybe where the, the appeal of the shop note stuff comes, is more, it's more appealing because it's more adjustable. So those are very specific, right? Those jigs right. are very, very specific to this project. But could I come up with a dowling jig that would, be similar to that and be universal for most big things that I would do? Sure. I mean, same thing with, with that tray jig. I could come up with something that had sliding guides and stuff. Uh, and maybe at some point when I have time, I will. Phil made a face at me like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I, I guess at a point, I, I just have to cut my losses and take pictures of these maybe so I know what I did last time if I right. ever would build one again. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, I and I and I having written for shop notes and loving the magazine, I almost feel like there's two different types of jigs that often get conflated. And that is there's the the quickie one off jig for routing the pockets or the alignment pins for that kind of thing. Or, but then you, there's also the other type of jig where it's a plunge router mortising jig or yeah. a, a mm -hmm. finger joint jig, uh, you know, that kind of stuff where you know and it's built to do multiple jobs or it's built to last, so to speak, where one, one category is really very project specific. Uh, I think part of the problem, though, is having been part of Shop Notes, is that we wanted 
we wanted the technique and the operation to stand out and not the jig itself. So we built all of our jigs to a really high standard for photography, you know, so we're using hard maple and Baltic birch and, you know, the screws are all in a perfect line and we're using, you know, whatever, even though it's something that's just a, like a one-off table saw tapering jig. You know, yeah, where it's just a, a base, a cleat, and a fence. And they really should just be air nailed together. But we did screws and glue and... I say, yeah, that's not real life. That's not real shop yeah. life, right? Right, yeah. In right. Right. Yeah, so. that's what I was noticing about Logan's, too. It's like the real life one-off jigs are like the scraps you find in the scrap bin or some piece of plywood that's got a random dado in it or holes <laughs> from something else and you're just kind of reusing pieces and yep it works it's not photo ready like you mentioned for the magazine that we're used to seeing but that's kind of the real life stuff we we see and we see the same thing from what people send in for readers tips it's all like bailing wire and duct tape and <laughs> and it, right. it works because that's what they found in their shop but then we have to like rebuild it to look photo quality with the Baltic birch and yeah. MDF and hardboard. And that looks nice. So, yeah. But so I, I personally think like one of the best jig making tools is having some kind of a Brad nailer, you know, a yeah. battery powered or an air powered one where you can very quickly then attach or remove and then reattach, uh, fences and cleats and stops without you know drilling a bunch of holes and driving screws and mm -hmm. making sure stuff stays aligned and all that kind of stuff so mm -hmm. yeah. but i will say that there are plenty of jigs and it, i guess it goes to the woodworker too the type of woodworker you are and the type of projects you like to make because um, i have a number of jigs that i've made that i know that i'm going to use over and over again you know like a a router dado jig and there I am going to invest in accuracy and quality materials and good hinges and mm -hmm. T-track and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, and I guess on that note, where, where do you guys store them? So I have, I'm looking around my shop, obviously I have what four jigs I use all the time. So I have a, basically a bench hook. I have a right. shooting board. I have um, actually the little pulse on my box that, I think you built on the show, Phil. Um, yeah. I have maybe one or two more that are floating around that I use all the time. Um, and I would call them jigs. They're, they're kind of bench fixtures, but they're kind of jigs too, right? Yeah. I'm thinking right now they're just piled against the wall next to the bandsaw. I'm thinking maybe I'm going to start hanging them on the wall. You know, make, make use of some of my wall space, I guess, better. Yeah. Um, and that's how, we that's how we used to have our couples in the, on the video set. Um, right. hanging on the wall. And that works great for the thinner stuff. You know, these are a little bit bigger, so I might have to get some meaty hooks to go in there. Um, but I don't know. Any other creative ways to store jigs? Old file uh, cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> Old file cabinet. I, uh, I keep most of mine hanging on the wall. I ran a... It's just like a piece of one by three that I ran basically flush with the top of the windows all the way around and then had like a bunch of big cut nails that I think I rescued from the shop here or something like that. 
and we'll pound those in in different places or like a shaker peg or something. So, and then some of the tools, you know, like a bench hook can just hook right on that rail and they'll sit there. Uh, yeah, like that. Yep. That's a, so, good, that's a fun idea. That's a good use for these big guys I'm never actually going to use. Yeah, because which is funny for me because most of the time uh, in both of the houses that I've owned, something that just drives me up a wall is being in the basement or in the garage and seeing like 8,000 rando nails that are just pounded <laughs> kind of higgledy-piggledy into the floor joist. And it's like, why is that there? You know, but it's okay when we do it, <laughs> right? Well, which is why I did it in the peg rail. So I have this fixed rail where they're supposed to go, and that's where they hang up, and it, and that's how I justify it. It makes it looks ni look nicer, and mm -hmm. um, but then I have some bigger shop jigs that I keep um, the lumber rack that I have in my shop in between the main shelves of where the lumber gets stacked are either drawers or open cubbies where I can stick stuff to. Mm -hmm. So, but most of the time I try and keep the jigs near where I'm going to use them. So if it's a, a bandsaw jig, it gets on the wall next to the bandsaw or behind the drill press or. Sure. John, you make a lot of jigs for tips. Yep. And I know that uh, there's a lot of, re-engineering that you sometimes do so what what have you yeah. learned about jigs um yeah i'd say you were asking the question how long do you hang on to the one-off jigs it's just like usually i'll hang on to that stuff until it's like oh i can use this chunk of hardboard from this other template to make the next jig <laughs> where i'm just like don't want to run out to the store to get materials so it's like i'm taking the parts off of something else whether it's a like lazy Susan hardware or clamps or knobs. And then I start, you know, pulling parts off. So where that jig's not recognizable anymore. So it gets thrown away and kind of becomes the next thing. But there are, you know, some jigs that I hang on to. Like I, I I'm not a real big fan of sharpening chisels and doing a lot of hand tool stuff. So I'll have a, you know, like a mortising jig that I keep around for, you know, a router mortising jig or, um, table saw tinning jig or that kind of thing where it's pretty general uh, use right. that I can use a lot for, for different projects. And then like Logan said, I will keep around like the one-off things for, for way too long, just cause I think I'm going to come back to them <laughs> and, and it ends up becoming something else. So right. using a lot of that, the materials just for the next thing. So, yeah. So. But yeah, I think I've been trained that like I have to build it out of Baltic birch and make it look nice, even though it's never going to be seen. Or yeah, this makes it makes me feel good. It gives me yep. that warm feeling. So. Yeah, right, three coats of oil and maybe yep. a coat of lacquer <laughs> just to give it a nice yellow glow for photography yeah. ready. And yeah, so. I don't know if you did John when uh, for doing props, but when I is was in charge of tips. Uh, and just making props in general for shop notes, our art director had a specific finishing regimen that we had to follow. Mm -hmm. We had yeah. to use, we had to use this. It was a combination stain and finish in honey maple 
that yep. went on all the plywood and all the hard maple parts so that it gave it a warm color but not too yellow mm -hmm. and then we had to make sure that it was dry so that it wasn't sticky mm -hmm. and like at least two coats so that it wasn't kind of that hairy fuzziness that you get after just the first coat and yep yep i remember that and eventually i just started cheating and i just used like the the general finishes seal a cell right that gives it a nice color and it's easy just to apply on there and maybe do a yeah. second like sand it do a second coat and that seems to yeah. do really well so that's what i do for a lot of my stuff at home too and yeah goes on easy and looks nice yeah so what else you got for jigs then logan uh that's pretty much it within arm's reach uh the rest of the ones that i've i've stored are in permanent storage in the garage so kind of like on my lumber rack i had sure. a couple for um the sleigh bed i built a couple years ago um i have some i think still for my kids beds um and i still have a bending jig for a arched stretcher table i built in high school uh again just stored in the garage you know it's it's like these ones will probably go into the garage. <laughs> so just, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I put it on the lumber rack in the garage and I don't have to worry about it. But mm, I know where it's at when I need it. Um, yeah. And that was, so that's like, it's like, you know, I could probably climb up and shove all my jigs into the attic. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. pound nails into the, into the trusses up there and hang them in there. Although it gets really hot, it might end up cracking and stuff. I don't know. I wouldn't think so, but who knows? Yeah. Or you just wait to a cool fall evening and you pile them up in the yard and burn them. Mm -hmm. That's true. That happens a lot. <laughs> Especially with the Amazon boxes. <laughs> Shop clean out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's funny too. I've realized that, like I mentioned, the ones like I have a few jigs that I keep around and have built because it's stuff I use a lot, like the mortising jig or whatever. But there are some jigs that I've just built just because it's like Chris Fitch or somebody designed this weird, strange jig. And I just want to build it for the fun of it. Like the like that oh, pocket yeah. hole um, jig, the oh, yeah, router yeah. pocket hole jig thing where it's like, yeah, I have a Craig pocket hole jig and I'm going to grab that and use it every single time. But you know what? This looks fun and I'm just going to build it to see how it works. And <laughs> it's just for my own enjoyment. Yeah. Right. And, and so. there's a lot to be said for that because I know that I've done the same thing. It just, you see something and it just, well, A, I think to myself, I would use this all the time. Like, how could you not want to use this? Right. And then you build it and you don't ever use it. And, yeah. <laughs> or, or it takes up just too much space. And, right. So, but there are a few on the list that, that still I want to build. There's the, what is it, that, the biscuit joiner station, the foot powered biscuit yeah. joiner station. Oh, yeah. Was that a Chris Fitch or do you remember? Uh, that might be a Ken Munkle. I think that was, uh, okay. that predated Chris. Okay. So that's one that it's just like, ah, I just want to build that for the fun of it. And yeah. Well, especially after and... uh, our Facebook super fan Khalid made yep. his version and put yeah. like a micro switch yeah. in it. And yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. No, you see... the, Go ahead. The, the, the drill press oscillating sander that's got yeah. a little motor, like <laughs> oscillating motor that brings the the sander up and down it's like it's totally unnecessary but you know what gotta have some Rube fun. Goldberg would be proud yeah yep yeah 
So Well, and I think it's really fun. I mean, we were talking about this not that long ago. He's just flipping through old shop notes issues, and there was like a router tenoning jig that where it was a handheld router, and it was a fixture that kind of like held your workpiece in different orientations to do the wide cheeks or the upper shoulders or that kind of stuff. And I, it was, it was well designed and I, you know, you could see where it would be an ideal tool to use, but would I do it? I don't know, but I almost wanted to build it just because it looked cool. And yeah, maybe when we get enough wenge, we can build some of those. (laughs) I have my stash. <laughs> I think the other well, thing you have that I four pieces left. The other thing <laughs> that I think of with jigs, uh, and I think this definitely comes from building photo props and making everything try and look really good for being on camera, is there are certain jigs that I treat kind of preciously that you don't really want to muck up. Mm-hmm. So, and that was something that I've seen on. Uh, I don't know, a variety of YouTube videos or other things where somebody has a crosscut sled on their table and they either with screws or a nailer, just like start nailing or screwing stops or Mm -hmm. angle blocks on it. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? It's a crosscut sled. (laughs) Yes. It's like the, uh, the sacrificial um, insert in the drill press table. That's right. You know, there to be, replaceable and back up all your drilling it's like i still don't want to put a hole in it i worked really hard on that i don't want to make another one and then somebody else puts a hole in it and you cry a little bit and you get over it make another one yeah first dent in the car but yeah so now that was kind of a revelation to me to think of the jigs as just being tools and you know modify them for each job or you know attach a toggle clamp here or whatever and yeah well you know it's funny on this on this pocket routing one my bit ended up slipping and i ended up routing into the edge a little bit and that kind of runs runs the whole purpose of this because then the bearing goes into the dip right but it's like you know what screw it i'm just gonna fill that thing with super glue and sawdust and accelerator and sand it smooth and it worked like a champ you know it's like uh, you know, it's at the point I'm meant to just throw this thing away, but I was like, it worked. Might as well just hold on to it. If I ever need to do a five by seven pocket again, mm-hmm. <laughs> you should take that up to the your dining table and just you know put a few phone pockets. Right there, there you go. You know, around yeah. the yeah. table and yep. Sure, your wife would. You see my that. dining table? It needs to go in the dumpster, so I might do that. <laughs> yeah. The yes. kids can put their cups in there, so when they spill it, it just kind of yeah. fills in the pocket, and just them. not all over the place. Exactly. Or you don't even you don't even need plates anymore. You just have a little divided right. tray, right? Oh yeah, the like table. a lunchroom tray. Yeah, yeah. Have, like yeah. a big entree one and a cup. Who wants one, some more mashed fruit. potatoes and just like yep, throw it in the. Then you just know. wipe down your table and you're done. See, we're coming yeah. up with ideas here. Yeah, there's no bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> It's a brain. It's a brainstorm. Yeah, I thought Speaking we were just throwing out ideas. What uh, what are you working on, Phil? Uh, I'm actually uh, in the. Even though I said last week that I was going to be working on that gentleman's dresser, I have that <laughs> radio cabinet rehab that I've been 
slowly working my way through. Uh, yeah. This week I've been, because I have all the pieces separate, before I bring them together, I want to pre-finish it just to save time. And I don't like trying to put finish on the inside corners of stuff. So sure. I've been using uh, water-based finish and putting that on and making it look good. So, yeah. So I've got that. And then the, uh, uh, my dragon capsule carving that I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two that I, two that I've been working on the most. Oh, and, uh, uh, candle lantern project that we did for the magazine. Um, and I did it for video edition and turns out we lost some of our video for that, some of the segments. So good thing I'm making another one because I'm going to have to use those as replacement parts for those segments. Gotcha. So, so you asked, I've been working on, <laughs> no, I've been <laughs> speaking of jigs. Um, <laughs> I was in my shot. I was kind of been kind of interested in building that, uh, that finger joint jig, uh, it's from Shop Notes number eight or something that had the adjustable, like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, stops on it and everything. That I think the wasn't our extruded finger joint jig that we sold yeah, based off of was that, based on that one, yeah. whatever. So, yeah, so I've been wanting to build that. So, last week I was kind of going through all the drawers in the shop and finding all the knobs and screws and bolts and all for all that. and actually found pretty much all of it that we had laying around and grabbing some scraps out of the scrap bin so i've been gathering parts to get started on that so maybe we'll shoot some video of that here coming up now that i have all the parts and yeah so i've been doing that uh in my shop working on reader's tips so more just finding scraps and putting stuff together and hoarding see i hoard all like the baltic birch that's my wing gay it's like I, I can't bear to throw away like little squares of Baltic birch or quarter inch hardboard. You know all the ingredients you need for for jigs and reader's tips. Right, know, I little, have two little pieces of sandpaper. Yeah, I have two bins in my lumber rack that are dedicated to oddball pieces of uh, Baltic birch plywood or hardboard because you just mm -hmm. like it's just so handy. Yeah, yep. Funny, I was looking when when you said that, John. I was looking. Because I have that finger joint jig here somewhere. Uh, I don't know the, where it's at. The aluminum one, or, or no? The pick... I picked it. I picked up um, that finger joint jig from a flea market here in Des Moines, probably eight years ago. Oh yeah, like, I knew what it was. Nobody else knew what it was, but somebody had built it, and they built it like it was built very well. That was like a buck, and I'm like. Heck yeah! So I picked it up. I don't know where I don't know where it's at. It may be in my jig graveyard upstairs in the garage. Uh, but I do have it's in the it. fire it's fire pit or something right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, I it's funny. I so I cleaned my shop. Obviously, I said that, uh, and I had a really cool thing happen. It, it's very rare. Um, I was, I've been working on, I'll show you in a minute, uh, another miter plane for the actual photos for this issue. Uh, and I needed a new hacksaw blade. And I kid you not, I knew exactly where my hacksaw blades were. Doesn't happen, <laughs> ever. Um, so, but no, I've, uh, I've kind of 
we've been on a hold on in the evenings on our camper project because it's been it rained a ton. What was that Monday? Yeah, or something. It rained a ton, and we found where all of our leaks were in the camper. So uh, we've been. Yep, we've been waiting for some sealant to show up. So I my evenings have been down here working uh, in the shop. Um, so I am currently. So I, I showed this guy. Uh, this is the little bronze matter plane I made. I'm working on one for the magazine. I've been working on it for about three and a half, four weeks now, out of bronze. Okay. So the other one was brass, right? Other one was brass. Yep. And okay. this one was bronze. Yeah, you had said bronze. So. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this one was brass. The one I finished is brass. Uh, the one I'm working on is bronze. And it is unbelievable how much tougher the bronze is. Like, you can see, I don't know if you guys can see that or not, but I have these all these dovetails cut, right? Sure. Uh, for the sole. Each one of these, I'm not kidding you, took me about an hour. Oh, like, yeah? So much tougher than the the brass is um and it's not even that it's hard it's not hard to cut it's almost stickier like when you when you make your cuts you curve it and then you use a chisel to bend them back and forth till they break the bronze yeah. doesn't break real well it, it's really like sticky if that makes sense um hmm. like you start pounding it out and uh it just wants to grab and then it wants to tear down past your cut line which is really annoying um but it's beautiful. I'm I'm super excited to to keep working on this. I uh, I have the body pretty much ready. I need a mortise for the bridge, uh, and I'm working on the bridge right now. Um, okay. And I did end up making a jig for this. So this is a a plane that I've mentioned before is inspired by Bill Carter. Uh, and what Bill does when he makes his planes is he has these templates. And I don't know if you'll be able to see that. Move my light. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's basically a template that he marks the overall length, the body and sole thicknesses, the bed angle, the wedge angle, all that. But then he keeps these, and then the next time he wants to make this exact plane, he will just clamp his stock to it, and then he'll use the curves in the wood. Oh, that's genius. Yeah. So I'm like, this is this is a great idea, and I didn't do that when I made this brass one. So now that I'm recreating that one, making a few tweaks, I'm like, what the heck did I do? I can't remember what I did. So I figured at this point I would make one of these, uh, and this will uh, give us some good solid dimensions for the magazine article. Uh, so yeah, so I'm working on that. Um, and, you know, it's I've had a couple of humbling moments on this, okay? And I, I don't want to say that... Uh, when, when I hear something from somebody who I consider expert, uh, I, I, I understand it and listen to what they're saying, but there's sometimes where I just want to see something for myself. So if somebody's like, hey, this is going to happen if you do that, don't do that. I'm probably still going to do that just so I see what happens. <laughs> like, not, not like a, you know, hey... That stove's hot. Don't touch it. I mean, not like that. I don't know, like, you, have you been hanging around my kids? Because that's exactly <laughs> what they do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, so a couple humbling moments have happened. So first is I annealed this, uh, this, this bronze to make it easier to bend. Okay. And generally when you anneal steel or a ferrous metal, you heat it up to basically like red hot and then you let it air cool. Okay, 
I thought that was the case with non-ferrous as well. It is not. Um, you actually have to heat it up and quench it, which is completely the opposite as you do for steel. Right. So if you heat this up and let it air cool, it actually goes back to as hard or harder than it was. To anneal it, you have to heat it up and then quench it in water, and it actually makes it quite a bit softer. Uh, so I, I knew in my head that to anneal something, you heat it up and you let it air cool. Not the case. Uh, discovered that. Um, so that was my first one. And my second one was not necessarily wasn't necessarily me thinking anybody was doing anything wrong but so i've watched bill carter's videos and i'll put a i'll, I'll put a link in the the show notes uh for bill's website where he shows how he makes one of these and has links to all his videos and stuff but when bill does these uh he when he curves out this inside of these dovetails he does very very thin cuts so he, he'll make a cut and then he'll make another cut just a 30 second over and when I did that brass one, I was moving like an eighth or three sixteenths and it just would chisel right out. And I was like, you know, you know, maybe Bill just, I mean, Bill is in his what mid eighties, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so he just, he has the time and he's just slow and methodical about it. And it's just easier for him to do it that way. And I was just powering through chiseling it all out. Nope. <laughs> Not with the bronze. Bill is by far, in a way, right that you want to curve this stuff super thin and then chisel out tiny little amounts at as as you go. Um, you know, I don't want to say young and dumb, but I may have been being young and dumb trying to power through a lot of it <laughs> at once, and it just it was not working. So it was like, oh, okay, so that's why he does it. I mean, not not that I was saying I wasn't thinking he was doing it incorrectly, uh, yeah. Or, better it's just it's like oh that's why he does that like i i there's sometimes where i like to just see stuff happen for myself <laughs> right well there's an experience level that that is a key part of learning too for sure well yeah and it's funny because before i was at woodsmith i was managing a, a print shop and it drove my guys nuts because i would be like hey will this folder go through like this and i'm like no I'm like okay show me why just because I want to see it. Like, I believe you. you. You've ran this machine for 25 years. I believe you, but I want to see why. Yeah. Like, I know you're explaining to me, but I want to see what happens. So it's like that type of stuff. So, so I will say, I will say, I, I forgot to mention it last week when we talked. Uh, there is one other thing I'm working on. And over the last couple of days, as I've been standing here chiseling out freaking waste on, on bronze, for video edition, I built a vice stand. I oh, yeah. really wish I had that right now. <laughs> like it's I, right over there. I, I'm sure it is. It's sitting right in there, waiting for me to get back in the media studio to do a film a finishing segment on it. But it's like, oh my god, I don't know how many of my tools in my tool cabinet right next to my vice, not attached, but on the wall next to it, have rattled loose and just popped out of their holders because I'm saying that they're beating on a piece of bronze. So yeah. I am I am excited to get that thing done. I'm going to make a couple of them I think because I also have a big uh, buffer, uh, buffer and brass wheel grinder that I'm oh, going to okay. put on once. I'm going to do like my, my vice and my grinder buffer uh, next to each other and then maybe like a bench in between for a small anvil or something. Um, hmm. 
But yeah, I, I forgot to mention that last week, and I'm super excited to get that thing finished because uh, that will be nice to have. Um, so oh, yeah. if anybody listening is a video edition subscriber, will see that video come out. Maybe we'll do a quick overview video for um, YouTube as well. All right. There's one set of listener slash reader comments that I'd like to address. Um, some folk have noticed in the last issue of Woodsmith Magazine was an ad for CBD oil. And we had quite a few comments about it. Um, in general, over most of its 40-year existence, Woodsmith did not have advertising. It ran off of a different uh, model that was based on subscriber revenue. And that worked really well. And um, then that model stopped working. So we've been incorporating advertisements over, I don't know, what do you guys think, like two years maybe now? Yeah. Something like that. So um, in the last issue, we had one for CBD oil. And there's a reason that that ad appeared. And uh, Woodsmith is part of a much larger organization called Active Interest Media. And another branch of Active Interest Media was working on, uh, it's our health and fitness group. And they had a product line and a magazine to relate to a lot of the CBD products that are available now, kind of highlighting some of the research that's been going on, um, uses. Um, and as part of the launch, the corporation asked the rest of the brands from around AIM to help out in the new promotion by including this ad. So we included the ad in the issue of the magazine and it's only, it only ran in that one issue and it was something that we did as a favor for another part of the company. And uh, it's not something that I would normally run in the magazine if it was a paid ad because it's not related to woodworking. Like I said, we did it as a, uh, as a corporate initiative to help um, get something launched off the ground. So mm -hmm. uh, appreciate everybody who wrote in and asked questions about it. Um, but that's the reasoning behind it. And it was only going to run once. I guess I was really confused because I thought that was just a new finishing oil. That's what I was wondering too. It's like, <laughs> we should do an article on like bowl finishing or right. utensils. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Friction, I don't know. friction polish with CBD mm -hmm. oil. Yeah. yeah, which, you know, I mean, it's, it is funny because there is a large portion of the population that uses CBD oil for arthritis and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe a little bit of a stretch for some of our readers, but for others, it, it might not be. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, we did get a lot of feedback on it. Yeah, so, and, it, you know, I, I realized that <clears throat> the nature of CBD oil has... Uh, a lot of people thinking that it's basically liquid pot, <laughs> which it isn't. Um, and also because of that is essentially uh, a 21st century snake oil or something like that. Um, and I get, and I totally get it because uh, there's not a ton of uh, research that is backing it up at this point. There's a lot of preliminary stuff, um, but there you go. So thanks everybody for listening to today's episode of the shop notes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, 
Uh, feel free to leave those wherever you get your podcasts, or you can write to us at woodsmith at woodsmith.com. And one of the editors or staff members will be sure to get back to you. Uh, also, wherever you're listening, I would love it if you could please leave us a five-star rating and write a review about the podcast because it helps us to get more um, more people seeing the podcast and talking about woodworking. And uh, that's what we're all about, is learning about woodworking and chatting with, uh, chatting with other woodworkers. Uh, so otherwise, we'll see you again next week. And you can watch us on YouTube or check us out on our website, woodsmith.com slash podcasts. See you, everybody. This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects. You can find it all in Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com.